you don't have to have everything figured out. You know, a lot of times we get so hung up on planning. What's your five-year plan? And, you know, it's kind of a paradox. It's good to plan, but then you don't want to get too hung up on it. You want to be be adaptable and flexible. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. All right, Mills, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, well... I've done a little bit of research, and so correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but I'm really excited because your passion is about inspiring people, inspiring others. And you've had, is it 15 years experience as, a, as an educator, as a teacher? Yes, I was uh, in education for 15 years. That's wow. correct. That's awesome, man. And uh, you've uh, helped build programs or at least uh, helped two different at-risk youth uh, groups. Is that right? That, that is correct. Uh, we had the Power Scholars Academy, which was associated with the, the Y when I was living in San Antonio. Uh, it targeted at-risk youth, and uh, it was a great program, so I was a part of that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something I have a passion for. Right. Mm-hmm. And you help maybe with Army veterans and uh, mental health, or at least a program with that? Yeah, well, that was my job in the military. Okay. I served five years in the army as a mental health specialist, uh, well, thank and it's, you. yeah, it's just thank you're welcome. And it's essentially being a counselor, and so that really, you know, that's where I discovered that I prefer helping people mm. as opposed to you know because I had some opportunities to work in retail and business and that sort of thing, and that just didn't really resonate with me. But when I right. was able to sit down and you know, listen to people and hopefully give them some insight to put them on the right path. That's where I'm like, okay, this is more of what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I guess that leads into you discovering your purpose and now you inspire others to find theirs. Yes, sir. sir. What was the difference in those moments? Like, what did you feel? Was it something just like a deep feeling in your heart or was it like... I don't know. Was it something definable that you felt that was different in those instances that led you to your purpose? I, I think, you know, being a mental health specialist, it, it just was something that it just felt more natural to me. It felt more intuitive to be because I, I feel like I'm a, you know, naturally observant person and I, I, I feel like I listen well. And so it just aligned more with my personality mm-hmm. characteristics and it just felt comfortable. Yeah. It was your calling or you were born mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, and then maybe your oldest daughter is that, am I correct on that? That she was born with autism. And so you're, you're a parent of someone with special needs and there's with that 
comes a lot of challenges that, that everyday people or that don't have that experience. Like you just might not know there's like behind the scenes type things that happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, so that's all part of how I got to where I'm at today. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's what I'm excited to hear mm-hmm. about is your story mm-hmm. really diving into that. And I just want to give a little bit of background to the listeners on, on who you are, what you've, what you've done. And I'd love to hear how that began. And you're from, if, if people can't, pick up on the accent a little bit, but that's from the South of Louisiana, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got family down there, grew up, uh, going to New Orleans and Baton Rouge every Thanksgiving, every Christmas. And, uh, so I picked up on it right away. <laughs> and, and what part of Louisiana was it? I'm from Ville Platte, Louisiana, which is about 40 miles outside of Lafayette. You know, a lot of yeah. times people are familiar with Lafayette, but if you're not familiar with Lafayette, Lafayette is 50 miles west down I 10 of Baton Rouge. Right. And two hours west of New Orleans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for you to be a mental health specialist, does that mean, because this show is called Overcome, and mm-hmm. basically, we're always in the process of overcoming some of life's biggest or smallest or just some challenge in life. And we like to say that you've overcome 100% of your darkest days. Like if you got breath in your lungs, a beating heart in your chest, like we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. And there'll be more, but like now we get to shine our light and our love, share our love with the world. And so I'm excited you're here. Thank you again for being here. And I'd love to get into some of your story. So take it away. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, I grew up, well, I can't say I grew up in Ville Platte. I was born in Ville Platte, Louisiana. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad was, a, he was in the military, so I had the opportunity to travel a lot. And honestly, I would say the first 10, 11 years of my life were, were great. <laughs> I mean, I had a great childhood, had the chance to travel around the country, uh, travel overseas, live overseas. Wow. Uh, I was the only child, and uh, as well, yeah. And yeah. Well, I'm sure people are like, "Oh, you had it made." <laughs> you know, as <laughs> right. a child, with, uh, you know, there's there's a trade off. There is, that, you know, yeah. You, you sometimes you feel lonely. Sometimes yeah, you feel lonely, yeah. and uh, you know, especially with me. You know, once, uh, well. Uh, I'm not going to jump to that right now. So I'm going to, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But yeah, so the first 10 years, 11 years, it was great. You know, money was not an issue in my family. Uh, My parents weren't rich, but, you know, they were okay. You know, because again, my dad had a career. My mom was a teacher. And so, you know, they managed money well. And, you know, we could go shopping, do whatever. Well, you know, life kicked in. My parents... uh, started having some problems and they got divorced. And so uh, me and my mom moved back to Ville Platte, Louisiana. And that was a a real culture shock for me. Uh, Of course, I was like, man, what what the hell is going on? You know, when my parents decide to split, because I really didn't see it coming, you know, and then it was just like all this drama. And everything. And so, you know, I just had to, you know, adapt and, you know, you're just like, okay, you know, we're moving. And so, again, I moved from being on military post all the time where everything was just real structured and nice looking and everything to Ville Platte, which is if you look it up, it's the second poorest town in the country. Wow. Yeah. And so it was just a 
big difference, right. you know? And I just had to adjust, and it was just me and my mom. And so I touched back on being the only child. Right. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't have to fight for food in the house or anything like that. You know, my mom was, my mom focused on me, but that also meant that I didn't have siblings mm. to, you know, help out with the chores and stuff. Right. So it's like, hey, grass needs to get cut, car needs to uh, be washed. Go do it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so people out there, I'm telling you, you know, us only kids, <laughs> We're not spoiled because we don't have other people to pass off things. Yeah, <laughs> so, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and so then what's what's that like going from maybe maybe to your either self-confidence or, or maybe more than self-confidence, it'd be like security as a child, having, you know, both your parents there and not needing or, or wanting for anything, like your needs are met. Mm-hmm. Um, to then moving to the second poorest town in America and to, to feel the weight of that almost, maybe you felt some sense being a male, you might've felt a sense of responsibility to be the man of the household at a, at an early age, maybe not, but, um, I'm just wondering if you can describe what were you feeling at that young age, like, uh, security wise or, or just, um, what, what were the struggles you had in your mind? It was just such a different environment because, you know, when you, you when you go into an environment where the, the poverty level is so high, um, it, it just brings a, a whole lot of issues. And the thing was, you know, my mom, she she had a job. She was a teacher. And so we weren't. In fact, they're looking at us like, man, y'all, y'all are good. <laughs> you know, right. y'all are almost rich. And it was so weird because, you know, nobody, wherever else we lived, looked at us like we were the ones that were well off. And so, you know, there was, you know, some shade, you know, being thrown yeah. around and and having to deal with that a lot. And, um, you know, for me, that was the more troubling thing. My mom did a great job of making sure that things were taken care of. Uh, she She... Uh, provided me a great environment, you know, home environment. You know, she made sure there's food on the table, bills were paid. Uh, you know, it, it was it was good. You know, she did a great job with that. So security wise, I I felt like I, I didn't feel right. insecure at all. You you being a educator for 15 years, did you personally? And, and I see already like uh, a kind of this this thing that comes together where now you're working with at-risk youth and maybe you were surrounded by that at an early age once you guys moved moved back home. But also as a teacher, I think now more than ever, like bullying is such an issue because of cyberbullying, all this stuff. And when we're in school, that wasn't the case. But did you ever deal with bullying? You said shade being thrown, but were you were you bullied at school? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know because you know you stick out like a sore thumb in a small town like that, and so yeah, they knew like oh you know you're the new kid in town because mm. they don't get a whole bunch of new kids. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, you you dealt with people that or kids that were you know jealous, you know, and I'm not trying to act like I'm all that or anything or was all that, but 
Yeah, they just the little girls, you know, they may like you because you're the new kid in town. And so some of the boys are like, who's this guy? And, you know, they want to, you know how it goes. You know, they just want to, you know, like you, you can't come on their territory like that. And so, yeah, I did deal with bullying when I moved back home. And, and you know, my mom was very protective of me about that and uh so she squashed it (laughs) honestly and uh so so yeah that was one one challenge i had moving back home was dealing with that where do you see in your life you finding purpose in the challenges that you faced um meaning like your purpose now uh helping people Mm -hmm. um where where does that come from any of your personal story of like, I dealt with this, so I want to help others either not deal with it or, um, well, I guess for instance, with you, you, you help educate so many people, um, in your speeches and your talks about, uh, the issues relating around special needs with your daughter. Mm -hmm. And so do you see any other places in your life, like from either an early age or fast forwarding in your story, um, to where, you you're able to help inspire people from your personal story or challenges. Oh, definitely. Uh, like you said, my daughter, that's a big one right there. Um, and, and one of the things I do like to share with people is, you know, we talk about people finding their passion, finding your purpose. And especially young people, unfortunately, it tends to get narrowed down to entertainment and sports. And a lot of times our our gifts are for for the majority of people are outside of those areas. Right. And so me myself, you know, I always struggled with understanding, like, what is it that I really want to do in life? And that's one of the things I share with audiences is that, you know, it might not come to you for a long time. Me, it didn't come to me for a long time. You know, people would ask me, like, what do you want to do? And I remember being a teacher, having a conversation with a fellow teacher, and he was like, Mills, you know, what is it that you like? You know, what is it that you really love? Like, what's your passion? And I really couldn't answer the question at the time. I really couldn't. You know, I was I enjoyed being a teacher, but honestly, it was something that I didn't see myself doing, you know, for the rest of my life. And even and I'll even take it back further than that. I remember being in college with my roommate and I told him that I I can't see myself being in a job or a career for 20 something years, you know. And so that was always maybe it's just part of the Generation X in me or something. (laughs) But I was just like, man, that just, uh, you know, the idea of being committed to a career, you know, for such a long time for, you know, at that time, 40 years, Mm. you know, being in my twenties and stuff that, (laughs) that just does not seem cool at all. You know? So I kind of feel like my mentality was probably a little bit ahead of its time because I know that's really embraced nowadays, but you know, when I was coming up, that was, you know, for my mom, that's scary. Like, what, what do you mean? You don't want to, you know, be in a career, you know, you need to find something to do, you know, for a long time so you could get a retirement check. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Onnit.com. Onnit.com slash overcome. Use the code overcome to save yourself 
10% on. I'm holding in my hands the Alpha Brain Focus Shot. It's in this cool container. Amy's got the website pulled up for you guys watching on YouTube. Did you drink your Focus Shot this morning? Absolutely. I, th I, I thought you did. I did too. Yeah. How do you like it? Oh my God. I feel so good. I always feel Because it's early right now energy. on a Monday. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This is... This is one of the earliest podcasts we've done. Well, this is early for you. Early for you. <laughs> well, to, to go on the show, yeah, for sure. And it promotes focus and energy, supports a positive mood state, helps manage mental stress. And for me, I truly feel like it helps me get in the flow state faster, stay there longer. Whether I'm going into sparring, I had one before I went to sparring yesterday, and I had a four and a half hour training session because they were stacked. So I went from... 12 to 1.30 and then straight over to the gym from 2 to 4.30, 4.40. Came home tired last night, mm -hmm. but I was focused the entire time. I feel like it's very reliable about yeah. how I'm going to feel. The more I've used it, the more, doing this show really, the more I'm able to know that when I drink it, I'm going to be on point. My brain's going to be functioning really well. I feel generally good. And that's been so nice to be able to know that it is not going to suddenly make me jittery or suddenly make me feel nauseous or whatever it is. Yeah, well, that, that for me is important because some of the products with caffeine, which just has some caffeine, but it's like plant-based and it's healthy and it's a low dose. It's not jittery bad. It's not jittery <laughs> at all. And sometimes I'll have, you know, one of those energy drinks or something and then I'm over-caffeinated, over-stimulated, and then I feel like I can't think as good. That's not good. Because it's, it's bothering me. Yeah. And all the Alpha Brain line is super reliable. The capsules, my favorites, the one of my favorites are the Instant, then the Black Label, and my all-time favorite is what we're talking about now. The Alpha Brain Focus Shots, they're incredibly good tasting. The tropical flavor, they also have peach, I believe, but mine's the tropical because it's passion fruit. And that's it delivers consistently. Fruit. And sometimes I'll take one and I'll split it between two smoothies when I make it for us in the morning. I'll just throw a little bit in each mm -hmm. and just, just adds a little something to like our protein powder and the fruit and whatever else we've got in there. Yeah, and thank you so much on it for supporting me, my comeback to fighting. Uh, fight for the forgotten and this podcast they make it possible so please support our sponsors who honestly i think have the best supplement line in the world and yeah. our favorite products alpha brain or total human get the best in one packet uh a morning support and a night support thank you thank you thank you for being here with overcome with justin wren and on it.com be sure to use overcome. that code mm -hmm. use the code overcome yep. save yourself some money How old were you whenever you kind of felt like things start to click, like, oh, I can do this and like speaking? I mean, that just happened recently. You know, I mean, I've been a speaker. What's your age again? I forgot. Sorry about that. Yeah. What is it? I want to... I'm, I'm 49. 49. Oh, okay. Because okay. I was listening to you and I just, what you were just saying resonates with me so hard because I'm 50 and um, Gen X too. And, you know, I felt the same way. And I think that's so beneficial to tell people that you may not know right now. And that's okay, because mm -hmm. it'll make sense later. And so we're just later bloomers. Yeah, it's exactly. okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I I'll be honest, probably over the... You look great, by the way. I yeah. never would have guessed 49. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. I would say, ooh, over the past seven to 10 years, it's, you know, you, you get into your 40s and 
you start to look at life a little bit differently and it's like, yeah, you know, what is my purpose? You know, what is it that I want to do long term? Because, no, I didn't want to continue to be a teacher. And so that's a whole nother part of my life right there where things really started to shift and they started to shift more because of disappointments. Hmm. And uh, so, for example, I was in teaching um, and, I, you know, I was OK with it. You know, it was probably, the, you know, the one job where I was like, you know, it, it varies so much year by year. You know, you meet new kids and uh, maybe you can switch positions. So it, it was like, it, it's OK. But, you know, you, you're, you're also capped by what you can do. And the amount of money you can make. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I can remember sitting in an audience in 2012. Um, you know, as a teacher, you know, you have a lot of people come in and talk to you for professional development, things like that. And so our principal had, was hyping up getting this one guy to come in and talk to us for professional development. She's like, Man, we uh we got to get this guy to come on campus, and uh, that was before summer had let out. And so we come back from the new school year, and she's like, "Guess what? You know, we're going to have such and such come and speak to us." And uh, I'm like, "Okay, you know, you're just like whatever. You know, as a teacher, you're not really too focused on that." Yeah. Um, because again, that's all, you know, professional development, that's something that's just a part of the, the beast, you know? Right. And so I should say nature of the beast. And so, yeah, the guy comes on campus and I guess he had gotten a deal to speak to all the middle schools in the district, to all the teachers that taught middle school, he's going to visit each campus. And it honestly, it was so anticlimactic. You know, and it's funny because one of the teachers sitting next to me, she was like, Mills, they paid that man all that money to to come and talk to us. They could have got one of us to go up there. And uh, I was like, I definitely agreed with her. I'm like, heck, yeah. You know, I could have went up there and talked. And uh, I, I, I know you're probably thinking like, man, that's probably where he got the idea to speak. But no, I mean, at the at the time. I was not interested in speaking at all, at all. That was not even on my radar. Um, but it probably did plant a little seed that took a few years and a lot of fertilizer <laughs> to uh, take root. Right. And uh, because I was more so focused on climbing the ladder Teaching. in the education yeah. field. So, you know, I got my principal certificate and everything. And so I started going to interviews and stuff. And it was always like, you're not the right fit. You know, you're not the person for this. Or, mm. You know, it's always you interview good, but, you know, you just yeah, we're going in a different direction. And that went on for a few years. And uh, basically from about 2013 to about 2015 or so. I think my last interview was probably in 2016. And, you know, I was like the runner-up candidate a couple of times. And uh, it got to the point where it was in 2016. I interviewed for a middle school, and it was probably the most rigorous interview I went through. And, uh, you know, it, it was actually like two parts to it. And so they had me even shadow for a day. And, you know, was, the kids were excited, like, oh, you're going to be our, our new assistant principal. And, you know, they were really, you know, excited about it. And so 
um, how, I'm trying to think of all the details. So, yeah. So everything looked great. And so the principal, he was out the day that uh, I had to do the shadowing. And I also had to do a town hall with uh, students in the AVID program. And so I'm sitting in front of them. They're all dressed up in ties and formal clothes. That's and cute. They get to interview me. It was a middle school. And, you know, and the teacher afterwards like, man, the kids really liked you and everything. And, you know, your staff likes you. And so, yeah, the principal was out for that, though. But he calls me the next week and he basically says the same thing. And he's like, I think I'm going to recommend you for the for assistant principal. And I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, financially, what, what are we looking at? And he's like, um, you know, well, what do you have in mind? And so I threw out a number, you know, and uh, it was not it was educated. You know, it was something that I'd researched. Right. Because, you know, all this stuff is public knowledge as far as what an administrator makes at that particular campus and everything. And he's like, I'll get back with you, you know, but he's like, I'm going to recommend you. So he calls like 20 minutes later, and he was like, no, we're going in a different direction. Wow. And I'm like, huh? Like, why? <laughs> you know? And like, is it over the money? Like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I, I, I quoted a figure that is that the average of what your administrators on that campus makes. And so that right there was really a turning point. Like, boy, maybe this administration thing is not what I'm supposed to be doing because to get offered a job and then have it taken away in 20 minutes because of money to me was like, man, what, what is, you know, what is God, what is the universe trying to tell me hmm. right now? And, uh, you know, I wasn't really hurt by it, but it was just like, Makes you think. Makes you think. And, and you said you've learned a lot from disappointments. Yeah. And, that was and so that's got to be a disappointment where you've gone through all the training, all the effort. You have, you have all the credentials, uh, the experience, um, and then to be denied not just once or twice, but over a period of two or three years. How does that fit into you, – you have a book titled Success is a Process. So how, mm. how did that fit into your – reframing or redefining success, you know? Well, because uh, I know there are some people that be like, well, you shouldn't give up or you shouldn't, you know, you should have kept pressing on, which I did, you know, I, I, but I didn't put as much energy to into it. But it basically, you know, I, I wanted to find success and I continued to believe in myself, even though it felt like other people weren't believing in me because they weren't giving me the opportunity to to work, you know, right. to get promoted. And so a lot of times in life, you know, I, I know it's, it's so cliche, you can't quit, but I don't feel like it was necessarily quitting because I wasn't giving up on the idea that I could be successful at something. You know, it, it, it was, it was more a change in Direction. Yeah, it's a know, pivot. Pivot. It's pivoting and changing and growing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. I, I I agree with you. I think coming from a background of a competitor, I was a wrestler and a professional fighter. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times you think I'm I'm never going to quit. You can't make me quit. And I'm I'm a fighter who's never tapped out, right? And so that's something I would pride myself on. Almost have an ego about. 
But I think that I've had to, like what Amy said, reframe and like what you're saying, redefine. And, it, and being able to say, like, this wasn't quitting. This is a pivot, just like in fighting. you got to find the right angle, change mm-hmm. change the game plan up a little bit, um, take the information that's coming in, and then adjust and and change so that you can grow and and, and become the person that, that you want to be or find the right fit. Like you said, the universe was trying to tell you something. Yeah, and, and it, you know, the thing was, it's like some of the messages I got you know, in my mind from God in the universe was, you know, you need to take con- more control of your destiny. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that's when I started thinking about, you know, entrepreneurship and like, what could I do, you know? And is at first it's just like, I want to make a little extra money. And yeah, I eventually want to leave teaching, but how is that going to happen? And that's a whole nother message. Like you don't have to have everything figured out. You know, a lot of times we get so hung up on planning, what's your five-year plan? And, you know, it's kind of a paradox. It's good to plan, but then you don't want to get too hung up on it. You want to be be adaptable yeah. and flexible. Right. <laughs> and so... But I think some people get stuck so much on planning that they never get started. Exactly. Yeah. That's another thing I love to talk about. You know, you got to take action because action is your biggest teacher. Mm. You know, so... Yeah, when you that's when, good. Yeah, you when can you say that again, <laughs> I, know. I was like, let me write that down. <laughs> yeah. Action is your biggest teacher. Yeah, because you're going to learn more from that than sitting there reading a book and mm. stuff. Because you'll figure you'll figure it out. Yeah. Like you'll learn what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And so if it doesn't work, then you're like, okay, well, next time I'm going to try this mm. and see how that goes. And I already know what doesn't work. <laughs> and so, right. so yeah, you know, all those disappointments. So I started dabbling in um, doing some stuff online, like some arbitrage stuff. I went to a seminar. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I really started to change because I wasn't even too much into motivational stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, personal development, personal, right? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't too—I mean, I, I liked it, but I wasn't deep into it, but— about 2015 or so, you know, I was like, you know, I wanted to see a difference in my life. Mm. And, uh, you know, you start to see that life is short. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of people that came and gone in my life. And it's like, man, you know, mm. you got to do what you got to do. And uh, so I went to this Get Motivated seminar. And, of course, all they're doing is upselling things, yeah. <laughs> you know, upselling trainings and stuff. But they were talking about arbitrage and so, you know, Amazon and stuff like that. So I started doing some dabbling in that. I started, like, buying stuff for cheap on eBay, you know, maybe. What's arbitrage? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Well, it's basically just selling online. And so— Is that like what Gary Vee does? I, I don't. I, he does a lot of like he'll buy something and then resell it on eBay or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. So, for example, um, you know, my my ex wife at the time she had, um, well, ex wife, my wife at the time, but now she's my ex wife. <laughs> um, she had bought some um, some some uh, supplements from someone, and they're just sitting in the house, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna just try selling it on eBay. And people were buying it. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And then so I started looking at it a little bit more, just other things that we weren't using around the house. And it was selling. And so I'm like, okay, what's the next step in this? Well, 
I started looking more into things like could I wholesale, you know, buy stuff wholesale. So, you know, and that's basically arbitrage. Okay. And so, yeah, um, I, I bought like T-shirts and stuff like people on eBay are selling like bags of T-shirts, you know, for $50. And so I'm like, well, heck, if there's like 30 T-shirts in there or whatever, 20 T-shirts, then, yeah, I'll buy it for $50 and sell it, you know, all together for 200 you know, maybe $10 a T-shirt or something like that. And so I got into that, and then I was like, well, you know, what's something that I can buy that's cool and and sell at a, you know, good price? And I thought, bow ties, <laughs> you know? And so I was looking on eBay. You can buy stuff from China, and so I buy bow ties, you know, for 50 cents a piece from China and then sell them for $10 or so on Amazon. And so great idea in theory. Uh, however, it, you know, there's a lot of competition on Amazon. And so you're not really making a, a lot of money, you know, to sustain you. And so, you know, that was that was one thing I kind of dabbled in. And then I was also looking at the motivational, personal development stuff, getting more into it. It was really vibing with me. And I thought about that. I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I don't have a problem being in front of people speaking, you know. And some people get really confused with that because I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. But I have never had problems getting in front of people speaking. And I'm like. I'm the reverse of that. That's that's interesting. I'm an extrovert, but I get really nervous whenever I get in front of a group and speak. <laughs> um, but I, I do I do speaking as well, and every time I do it, and I I mean I I feel like the benefit of it um, for me, and hopefully for for what I get to share for others and get the feedback and stuff, and then that helps the next time. Not as nervous, but uh, it's really interesting. So you got your start in speaking, mm -hmm. and uh, but being introverted, you went up there and you just crushed it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I think it just has to do with growing up and everything because I was uh, in the church a lot growing up. And so, you know, they'll be like, hey, you know, we need a volunteer or something or, or, or voluntold. And so <laughs> that, voluntold. That, I've never heard, heard of that. that. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> cute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, well, how did you get your start speaking? And then how did you start to relate it or bring in like the really important topics of, um, for instance, being able to advocate for parents and children with special needs, you know, parents of children with special needs, but also for advocating for the ch children with special needs. How old is your daughter? Yeah. She's uh, <laughs> she's 24. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. She's going to be 25 in November. It's That's funny because awesome. I just posted a picture uh -huh. yesterday on my Facebook and uh, like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I got old kids now, 113, <laughs> 124. And yeah. somebody was like, wow, India's 24. And I'm like, Her yeah. name's India? Yeah. Oh, that's great. India. That's a great name. Mm -hmm. And then how early on was she diagnosed? Because, I mean, I know that sometimes people aren't diagnosed until they're in their, their teens or maybe even in their 20s. Um, but other times it's it's more moderate to severe to where they're diagnosed early on, like uh, you know, yeah. a couple years old. Yeah. Well, she was diagnosed. Let's see. I, I was in the Army. Um, it was 2000. So in the year 2000. So she was about two and a half. You know, when she was around the age of two, we noticed some regression in some of her, you know, development. 
And so once I, I, I was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, um, and, and we were taking her to the pediatrician and everything. And um, we're like, she's not talking. And, you know, she's wanting to stay up all night and everything. And so, um, I don't know, I can remember, you know, Y2K passed and everything. You know, the world didn't shut down or anything. Little did we know the world was shut down 20 years later. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I was working on the psych ward. You know, I was a mental health specialist. And uh, we would take turns using the computer because we didn't have Internet at home and stuff like that. And it's funny because I, I never really paid attention to autism, hmm. but it just was in my mind, like, what is this autism thing? You know, maybe, you know, my daughter could possibly be experiencing that. And so I typed in autism and I started looking at the symptoms and stuff, especially in kids and I like, oh, man, you know, my, it's like my heart kind of dropped. Like, gosh, this might be what's going on with her. And, of, of course, I'm like, man, let me see. What, what can you do for this? Can it be cured? Can it, you know, medication? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, no, it's no cure for it. You know, you can only try to treat some of the, the symptoms of it. And I was like, oh, geez, I hope this is not what she has. And uh, we end up having to go to a specialist at the University of Missouri, and they they confirmed that she she had autism. And uh, it's you know, her case. Yeah, she 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 has limited ability to communicate. Uh, She doesn't really talk. You know, she understands. Well, she talks maybe in one to two word sentences. She understands fairly well. Um, And. you know, she's a sweet kid. But, you know, we've had, you know, a lot of ups and downs with it. And it definitely changes your tra- changes the trajectory of parenting. Mm. And uh, because, you know, the normal trajectory is, hey, you have kids, you know, and they're going to go off on their own one day. And when you have a kid with a severe disability, you know, they you know that that's they might not be able to live totally independent. And so that's always a concern. And then it it just takes more, you Mm. know, everything, you know, parenting is already challenging for just a a kid that has, uh, you know, the normal development. But then when you have a kid with a disability, you're going to more appointments, you're going to more stuff at school, you know, you're concerned about little things like even just going to the gym, you know, there are times where, you know, it's like, gosh, uh, I would go to the gym at this time, but, you know, her mom's not home. And so we got to wait till mom gets home. Then I can go to the gym because there's nobody here, you know, to, you know, I can't leave my kid by themselves. You know, so it's little things like that, that, you know, people like you, I think you were saying earlier that they overlook or don't realize. Yeah. You don't, you don't really realize it until you experience it. And Mm -hmm. then, and then it's all new and you're learning and until you find someone that maybe has gone through it themselves or you you are blazing you your ex-wife and india y'all are this is your lived experience and so you're blazing a new trail and you're learning as you go and you're seeing the doctors and all this other stuff but there there's not really a a great playbook out there you know that that's been developed and you're not taught it how to how to how to go through this so you're you're making your own path you guys are like pioneers with this with india and 
So anyways, I'm, I'm grateful for you and how you use your platform and are so willing and open to share. And, um, I'm just grateful. I've had some, some people that are really near and dear to my heart. Um, I just saw a young man named Raiden, um, who just turned 15, uh, in, or is about to turn 15 in October, uh, in Oklahoma. And he's a young man that was really heavily bullied. Um, he was born with autism, uh, born deaf in the right, his right ear, um, and has childhood diabetes. And he was beat up at the, the school urinal and everyone just filmed it and posted it on social media. The next day he was beat up at the school bus stop and was given a concussion. And I was with him the next day. And so we've been mentoring him now for over two years. And uh, we have a bullying and suicide prevention program in schools and uh, really grateful for that. But I mean, I love, I literally love Raiden. And um, he is one of the most compassionate, uh, big hearted uh, kids, but also there's challenges that come with it. When, whenever we first met, uh, you know, he didn't like to be hugged. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm a big hugger. I hugged you right whenever uh -huh. I saw you. And so, uh, over the last two years, he's gotten into jujitsu. And so he's, he's constantly being hugged, almost like a struggle snuggle is what we call it in jujitsu. And so now when I see him, he's able to give me big hugs and things like that. And so, um, anyways, I'm just, I'm grateful. And I'm also thankful that you can be, uh, a, a parent who has stepped up for India, but also able to step up for other parents or people that just don't understand. Because I know there's been times, whether it's uh, times I volunteered at Special Olympics or, or other things like that, where you just don't know until you're around that they might, they might be treated differently um, or looked at differently or not included in, in certain things. And then there's other times that they are absolutely welcomed and loved. But just to, to be able to see some of those things or hear some of those things creates, it opens people's spectrum mm -hmm. to like really understanding and having compassion um, and to step up and be involved and, and get involved in ways that, that maybe, maybe this is their purpose. They're hearing this podcast for the first time and hearing about autism. And now it's like, well, how can I help? Or maybe it's their parent of a child. Maybe they're going to go to Google, hear your story and be like, oh, wow, maybe my child has this and we can start helping now. Did you have some? Oh, I was just going to kind of echo one thing that you said, too, as a parent. You know, I I have two daughters, and I just mm. have so much respect for what that's like because I haven't experienced it. But, man, it's it's a road for sure. And I don't want to say – I don't want to label it a certain type of road because it's just your road, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I just wondered what are some of the top lessons that you have learned from having your daughter? Well, you know, you, you definitely learn a lesson in patience and also understanding what you can do within your own abilities, defining success. So, for example, you know, success for my daughter, India, is going to look different than success for my youngest daughter, you know, because they have varying abilities. But, you know, India, you know, she, you know, you have to uh, celebrate mm. her wins. Yeah. You know, her wins are going to look different than what it looks like for, you know, some, a, a kid, like I said, like my daughter, her sister, uh, who's developing, you know, normally. And so. Um, how would you, how would you define 
success maybe maybe for you personally and then what's a what's a moment of like celebrating india's success well even like just just this past weekend you know they you know i had my kids this past weekend and you know i was just looking at india and you know she just the way she was interacting with us and her demeanor and you know just the fact that you know because like i said you know she's just like you were mentioning the young man, you know, that he didn't like to be, you know, hugged and stuff. Well, India's never had that problem, but, you know, she's had problems with, uh, you know, tantrums and that sort of thing. And, you know, just, I mean, she's just really growing a lot lately, just mm. in the way of, you know, just being more flexible about things and um, just being... I don't know. It's hard to put into words, but it was it was just really cool, you know, this weekend just to see how, you know, she's growing. And that's great. You know, she's looking she's like a woman growing into a woman in her own unique way. Yeah. You know, it's just some things that really were different. You know, like I can just see over the past few months where she's just. It, she's just going in a different direction, and and it's, it's just growth for her. And so I was just really happy with her and for her and everything. Um, yeah. It, oh, I just, see. I see the smile on your face, and that's mm-hmm. that's really great to see as a proud Papa Bear. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think there's something in that though, where you know I think so many times comparison is like the thief of joy, mm-hmm. and I know that. A lot of people will, I mean, I, I, maybe me and, or me too, where you get caught like comparing maybe your second quarter to someone else's like fourth quarter or, or your, your chapter three to someone else's chapter 30 and growth doesn't look the same. We're all unique individuals. And so being able to celebrate whether it's your own or someone else's growth, whatever that growth is, whatever speed it is, whatever that looks like. Um, and being able to celebrate the simple things too for yourself and for others um, because it might not be – I'm thinking about with Raiden, um, the young man I know. Uh, some things might seem simple in comparison to maybe another child's development. But for him, like that that simple thing was a big thing. Um, for instance, going around and being – in an environment that has a lot of loud noises and a lot of things going on, mm-hmm. it was overwhelming. But um, uh, I remember um, we, we went to main event and there was, you know, bowling and laser tag and video games and all this stuff, everything crashing. And uh, maybe a couple of years ago, that would have been a whole lot. And there was a moment where it was kind of a lot, but um, he was able to work through it. And just seeing that was was really cool, it was really um special. And I remember we went to, we got to take him out to LA and uh, he got to start scenes on, on movies and, or a TV show and uh, go to the LA Rams game. And so it was a lot it packed in Disneyland. And, um, and it was just a really special moment because basically the world or a lot of people responded saying, Hey, we saw what happened to you. Now we want to, we want to combat that and like love you. Mm-hmm. And we took him to the ocean for the first time. He's from Oklahoma. He lived 20 minutes down the street from me in Oklahoma city before I moved here. And it was his first time seeing the ocean 
right? And the first time we saw it, we were with Navy SEALs flying over it in a helicopter. But then we got to go and learn surfing together. And these incredible men that were world champions, world-class surfers, they had an initiative for children with autism uh, to find healing in the water, in the ocean, and to learn a skill. And he was so excited to go to the ocean and go surfing. But then when we got there, and he didn't see it from overhead, he saw how wide it was. This isn't an Oklahoma pond or lake. Like it's a, it's an ocean. And a lot of people can have fear when they see the ocean. And so he did not want to get in the water. Um, but those guys were so skilled and had so much experience with kids with autism that might have fear just like him that they were able to say, Hey, there's no pressure to get in the water. Why don't we just sit down and have a conversation first? Once they got to know each other, everything else, once he saw other people going surfing, then all of a sudden he was like, oh, wait, I, I want to do that. You know, it went from fear of no, 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 I'm out. I can't do it at all to then just seeing there and being able to relax and have a conversation, see other kids doing it. Then he was able to go out there and actually get up on the board. And it was just a moment to really celebrate with them. And so, um, no, I'm just grateful for you and uh, I'm grateful for India and you being able to share her story. And it sounds like it gives you like just more of a perspective of cherishing moments. Oh, yeah. You know, and considering the successes just in those moments. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Even in your own life, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it, it changes the trajectory of parenting. And, uh, you know, honestly, yeah, you, you deal with a lot inside because, you know, for me, uh, you know, I wanted to be a dad and I was excited about it. And, it's, it, you know, sometimes you, you feel robbed, you know, especially yeah. like, dang, you know, I, she's not going to be able to do certain things, you know, and it's like, it's not fair. You know? Yeah. Um, How did you work through that personally? Well, I loved her. You know, I loved sure. her. And, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'll be the best dad I can be under these circumstances. I'll, you know, give her the best experiences I can, you know, considering the circumstances. I can just imagine a lot of people would carry a resentment, you know, and mm -hmm. and you seem to not have that. Yeah, I mean, because what is that going to do? You know, that's not going to change the situation. And, uh, you know, I you got to, for me, it's like, you got to deal with, okay, what are we going to do? You know, what's the here and now of this? And, uh, so it's just like, you know, doing the best I can with it, you know, um, you know, taking her to the park and, mm -hmm. you know, letting her run around and, uh, you know, trying to make childhood as normal as possible. Um, considering the circumstances, you know, knowing that, it, it, the the path is going to be different than what it would be for most parents. And so, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of resentment inside, but, you know, it, again, it was just like, you know, I'm going to love her. I'm going to be the best dad I can be. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to do things, you know, as much as we can. And, uh, and, and that was just the attitude, you know, I had about it. Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. 
That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Can we go back to early on whenever you were you were on Google or making that search and you realized, or maybe she got the diagnosis, how, how big of a, was that something just instantly, you know, hey, love is going to, I'm stepping up as dad and love's going to get us through. Or were these mo- the, were there these moments of like self-doubt? Can I do this? How will I do it? And then when did it start to, you know, like maybe certain challenges early on, you learned, okay, we can get through this and this is how we handle this. And, and now it's become a little bit more of a just almost muscle memory where it's like, okay, that used to be a challenge, but now, um, now it's something that, that, we just, we just deal with and get through and it's not so hard. Uh, I guess first off, I wouldn't consider it getting that diagnosis and saying stepping up, you know, it's just being dad. Yes. Know? That's so good. That, that's how I look at it. It's like, I'm going to continue to be dad. Yeah. You know? and that's awesome. That's what a parent should do. Yeah. You know, you're, you're there for your kids and that's what you, you know, that's what you signed up for when you decided to have them or even if you de- didn't decide to have them. Right. <laughs> and uh, so it's just like, OK, well, we, we, we're going to try to do what we can. And, uh, you know, what can we do about this? And so, you know, she did some therapies and everything. And uh, so, uh, you know, just a type of person I am, I'm, I'm very um, solution oriented. And so I'm, I'm, I was always looking at like, okay, this is what, you know, this is supposed to help. So let's try this. And, you know, talking to doctors and everything. And um, so, you know, that, that was pretty much, you know, my, my approach to, you know, when I found out, yeah, like I said, it was, it was a little, you know, heart wrenching, you know, and, and plus you really don't know what to expect because, the fact that, you know, with autism, it's a spectrum. So, right. you know, and, and kids develop at different pace, at a different pace. So it's, at the time, it could have been, like, you know, it's possible that, hey, you know, yeah, she's struggling to speak right now, but she um, she could be speaking in two years. Right. So, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to do what we can. We're going to try to put her in a position to be successful. And I think that's... As a parent, as a mentor, as a coach or whatever, that's what we all do. You know, we're, we're trying to put people, give them the tools, put them in a position to succeed. Hmm. And that's for me as a dad, that's my that was my mission. That was my job. And uh, so, you know, yeah, we're going to 
if they want therapy, you know, if they feel like putting her in ABA therapy was going to help her, then we'll, we'll do it. And that's what we did. And so, you know, whatever resources we could access, you know, we tried to take advantage of. Yeah. It sounds like there's like an overarching theme in your life and in your work about acceptance. And mm. I mean, you have your last book was called you can win being you, you yeah. know? Mm. And like, do you really push uh, people to accept themselves, accept their situation and your speaking and, and in your, in your messaging? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, accept it, but do something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you are who you are. You know, you're, you, we're going to have situations that, you know, we feel are unfair. You know, nobody said that uh, life is fair. You know, we've all heard that. And, you know, you have to do something about it. But you you can you can achieve things in life, but you have to put in the work. But, yeah. Because, you know, let's I'm going to kind of take it in a different direction. You know, sure. you may have a disability. You may be you know, you may have your gender. You may have your race. Uh, you know, and those things, you know, let's just be real. You know, yeah. people are discriminated based on those things. Yeah. And so, however, there's people that are very successful with, you know, being uh, a certain race, yeah. being a certain gender, having a certain orientation. And, you know, that's something that I really share with people. It's like it's more about what personal characteristics do you have mm inside of you that will help you move to move down the path that you feel is your purpose and your dream. And so I think it's great you do that because there's people that are successful that are dealing that that have one or all of those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think being able to take inspiration from those people. I'm really excited about uh, a guest that we're going to have on later uh, this month. And his name's Zion Clark. And he's, uh, he's, he's awesome. He uh, is a really, really, he was a champion wrestler, um, but he was born and lost, or he didn't have um, both his legs and he can do these box jumps like crazy. And he's super successful. There's a Netflix documentary on him and he's just uh, one of the most inspiring human beings. Um, and him and our first guest of the show ever, Nick Santanastasso, he was born with one arm, one finger and no legs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, they both say it in kind of similar ways, but the biggest disability is a poor mindset (laughs) is a bad mindset. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. What, what does that mean to you? The title of that book? Why did, why were you inspired to write, um, What's the name one more time? You can it's, win being yeah, you. Yeah, you can win being you. Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, when I was, I, I do my presentations, you know, I don't really, I don't write a script for my presentations or anything. You know, I have points I like to make and certain things I like to talk about, right. but I'm not, again, pre-writing my speech or right. anything like that. Yeah. And so I, I, there was one point in a presentation where I start, you know, I'm talking about imposter syndrome and uh and i'm like yeah you can win being you and you know i'm thinking about it on the flight back home i'm like i like that i like that i said that and uh i'm like you know what i'm gonna make a revision to my book and i'm gonna title it that you know because i i really 
like what that means, you know, and I feel like it, it represents myself, you know, because, yeah, I suffered a lot of disappointments. I was rejected along the way a lot because people were like, you're not good enough. You're not the right fit. Mm. You know, when I was looking for promotions in the education field and uh, and now, you know, I went from being a, a classroom teacher where I was just like, man, I wasn't certain what my purpose is, what the long-term plan was or whatever else to having spoken coast to coast. And, you know, it's something to really think about, like, wow, you know, life has really changed, you mm. know? And to it's like, yeah, I'm winning, you know, yeah. I'm winning, you know? Yeah, things were down for a few years. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I didn't even realize how maybe down I might have been, but... I was before I came here, <laughs> I was looking at a Facebook memory and it, it it said it essentially said, I'm going back to the gym. I hadn't been to the gym in a year. And this was in 2014. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, I hadn't been to the gym in a whole year, you know, at that time. And I, I, I couldn't even fathom that. You know, but it just goes to show where my life was at at that time, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I've always tried to incorporate staying in shape and that sort of thing in my life. And to say I was out of the gym for a whole year, like what was going on with me? I mean, I know what was going on at the time, but to say like, man, I wasn't even doing that. And uh, it, it just goes to show, you know, like how you know, the ups and downs of life and how, at the, but, you know, with that being said, I still continue to believe that there is something greater out there, even though I might have been at a, you know, it, it was a, a, you know, a, a period of life that I was struggling with. I still believe that, you know, that I, I had purpose, might not have known exactly what my purpose was, but I had, I, I, I felt like, I wanted success and I was going to find a way somehow to achieve it. Mm. That's so, really good. I think, I think even just saying that, that, that one title, you can win being you. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's so, so many people and, so, yeah, mm -hmm. and profound. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple that's what's and profound great about it. <laughs> because so many people are trying to win being somebody mm -hmm. that they're not. We're trying to win being somebody that's someone else and not being themselves. And especially probably in today's age with TikTok and all the things, the viral things, you know, yeah. you, well, they got successful doing that. So I'm going to try to do exactly that in just a different way. Um, and, and, you know, it's just like, you know, you, you being an athlete, a lot of times you get, especially a lot of young guys, you know, they're, they're trying to mimic mm -hmm. so-and-so and, -so. and yeah. uh, it just, with that being said, they don't really develop themselves. You yeah. Know, their, develop own style. their own style and, and, and skills in fighting. People, I think it can be very beneficial to replicate um, somebody's technique that you're seeing them win by. Uh, but then whenever you go and you're trying to not just get a new technique and put a new tool in your tool belt, but you're also trying to walk like them and talk like them and everything else. It's like, man, um, you know, that's not that's not longevity uh, of like really becoming and developing and becoming your own. Um, so that's that's powerful. That's profound. I'm glad and grateful that you're able to go from coast to coast and share this message. 
uh, that's very important with yeah. with kids today. You know, and it's just like, again, like I told you, I grew up in the second poorest town in the country. And, you know, I'm a black man. And to be able to go coast to coast, you know, I've been to New York. I've been to San Francisco, Seattle, you know, Minneapolis. I'm going to be going to Chicago you know, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, I'm again, I grew up in the second poorest town <laughs> and to have these these opportunities, it's just like, man, you know, yeah, you, you can win. You can mm. win. And then, yeah, I, I have a daughter that has a severe disability. I've been through a divorce. Mm. You know, now I, I got a, a awesome partner, fiance, Congratulations. you know, and it, it's like it, it's man, when that you can win being you really is. You know, it, it, it means something to me. Yeah. You know, it means something to me. That's awesome. Congratulations. Amy and I are both uh, div- have been divorced. And I was just telling her the other day, and uh, it, it's not a knock on my, my ex-wife, but I was, I was saying, I'm so glad I'm divorced because <laughs> I found you the happiest relationship that I've ever had. Someone that, that inspires me, someone that challenges me, somebody that uh, my mom called me yesterday and uh, I think it was yesterday, right? And we were on the couch mm-hmm. and uh, I just had a moment just telling my mom and we go, mom. Guess what? I am so in love. I am so in love and I'm so grateful. And my mom's like, oh, I'm so happy for y'all. But it's it's so it's so good that sometimes you have to go through these challenges to find who you really are and be able to win being you. And so how big of a victory is that for you that or not just that, but at one point you had to say, I'm. I'm pushing all the chips in or I'm betting on myself and I'm leaving this. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving behind the education or I'm, I, and I'm, I'm betting on me and uh, you started doing it and you started getting outside your comfort zone or pursuing that right where you're like, I mean, because you could stay comfortable in education and just gone through another 10 years of applying and maybe on the 10th or 12th year you, you get, or the fifth year, right? You, you get that principal position and you'd be an administrator now, but instead you you change the trajectory of your life by taking a leap of faith. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that that do that, <laughs> you yeah. know that because yeah, people would tell me like, yeah, I applied to 50 jobs or I went on 50 interviews, and I'm like, man, that's BS to me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want that job that bad. You know, that it's not that rewarding, or I don't know. You know, I I, I think a little bit higher of myself to than to say I, I need to go to 50 interviews or a hundred interviews. And so, yeah, I had to bet on myself. You know, I got into the speaking in 2017 and, uh, you know, I was speaking a lot on special education at the time because, you know, I did some research and they're like, you know, you want to present yourself in a unique way as an expert. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I've been a special ed teacher. Plus I got a daughter that special needs. And so that's a pretty unique view that I can share with people. And plus, I want to clear up some misconceptions yeah. about special education and disabilities and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I was speaking at places, you know, using that experience. And, uh, you know, so that's basically how I used that's where I like to say something, turn your trial into a treasure. Mm. And so, yeah, that trial of having uh, a daughter with a disability has has became a treasure 
you yeah. know, a gift. And so I was able to share with people uh, my experiences and everything. And then so I started getting a little bit more, um, you know, opportunities. And, um, and of course, you know, the more you do, the more options become available. And so I transitioned more from speaking on special education to speaking on motivation because I was able to be like, hey, you know, I spoke here on special education. I'm okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm legit. You know, you had that social proof, like they say. And so, yeah, I started speaking more on motivation, speaking to college audiences and everything. And so, yeah, July 2019, um, I walked, I, I, I told my principal, like, hey, I'm out. You know, I'm not coming back for the next school year. Like you said, put all the chips on the table and uh, uh, kind of figure out some options I may have if it doesn't quite work out. But I figured, well, heck, if I'm getting speaking engagements now doing this part time, well, if I could devote more time to it, then, yeah, I should be able to make a living doing this. And so it looked pretty good. You know, I mean, I I, I was getting speaking engagements and everything. And, you know, yeah, the pandemic hit <laughs> a oh, yeah. few months later. That's true. And uh, but I still had opportunities virtually. So, oh, that's great. So, yeah, I didn't really miss a beat. In those moments where, where you and, and then I want to get your yeah. question, too. But in the moment you put all the chips on you. And you told the principal you were leaving. Was that fearful or was it freeing or was it a little bit of freeing? Okay. Yeah. Definitely definitely 90% freeing because, you know, I've been evolving. And Mm. so I, I, it was great to get to a place like, you know what? I love what I'm doing and uh, I'm going to go all in with it. Would you have any tips or special advice for, or just any tidbits where maybe someone that's listening is feeling maybe they feel trapped or just that um, they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing now. Maybe it's a nine to five that they're in a cubicle and they're just not happy and they've been doing it and been on the grind and been hoping for a way out. Or maybe they, they think they have that way out. They found it, but they just haven't pulled the trigger on it. They haven't, they haven't put all the chips in on them. What, What kind of advice could you give them or just share from your own experience? Well, from my my own experience, you know, boy, it's kind of tough because, you know, I know the type of person I am in my thought process. And, you know, for somebody like that, their their thoughts are probably, you know, the the biggest thing people worry about is, hey, can I take care of myself? Can I take care of my kids? And for me, you know, I say I have a daughter that had severe autism. And so that's something that's a, a um, you know, a life lesson right there, yeah. you know, that, you know, you don't have control over everything. Mm. Um, well, an- because on the flip side, someone listening to that, that might have different thoughts than you, mm-hmm. they might be even more concerned. Uh, I have a daughter with autism. I can't bet on myself. I have mm-hmm. to stay in this to take care of her. And so for you to have you saying the life lesson is no, I, I'm not in in control of everything. I need to do this. Like yeah. that is that, that difference in, in thought process. Yeah. I mean, for me, see my experiences, life is short, you mm. know, um, my dad had an aneurysm in 95, I believe, but I mean, he's alive, but you know, that changed his life. Yeah. Honestly, uh, my mom, no, I, let me go in a chronological order. Uh, I, I had, um, you know, of course you have family members that pass away, um, and 
the biggest one that really hit me hard was in 07, because I'm an only child. But my cousin, Travis, he passed away unexpectedly. And, you know, he is married, had three kids. Wow. Good dude. He was like my brother. And, you know, I always pictured us growing old and talking about, yeah, you remember growing up? And, like, wow, that was just so shocking to me. That was, like, really, really, really just hit hard. And so that happened. Then two years later, my mom had a stroke. And she's been bedridden ever since then, paralyzed. And so, yeah. And then, of course, I've seen other relatives, you know, they they passed away because they got older or health reasons or whatever. And so all those things, you know, on top of my daughter, it's just like you start to really see like, boy, life, (laughs) you know, Boy, you got to enjoy it when you can and take take advantage of certain things. And that's where I was at on July 21st, 2019. That's where I had grown to was like, you know, and even before that, with the getting into speaking and getting into entrepreneurship, it's like, you know what, man, I want to be able to travel. I want to go coast to coast and see these places that I haven't been to before. And it's just all of that. And so that's what I would encourage anyone, you know, that's listening, that is maybe hesitant. Hey, understand that, you know what, maybe chances are you're probably very blessed right now to Mm. be able to have your, your, you know, the ability to do certain things. And, you know, you have to, the window of opportunity doesn't stay open forever. And so, and then we've seen that with the pandemic and everything, people that we expected to be here for a long time are not here. And so, yeah, you definitely have to take advantage of those opportunities. And, um, you know, I have something I like to talk about You know, I like to use a lot of acronyms and things in my talks. And one of the things I've come up with is that success is in 3D. And so success boils down to discipline. Got to do the right things consistently. That's what discipline means to me. Hmm. Uh, You have to make the right decisions, choices. Can't make bad choices and expect good things to happen. Hmm. (laughs) And then lastly, and I think that's where I was really at, you got to be desperate. Hmm. You got to want whatever you want really, really, really bad, you know. And so for me, yeah, I wanted success really bad. I wanted to be able to uh, determine my own destiny. And so, yeah, you know, you you have to really, really want it to where you're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you know, within reason Mm. to to make this work. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I really like that. There's um. There's a quote in recovery because I've been I've been through treatment twice and battled with addiction uh, from some surgeries and some from upbringing things and some a bunch of different things. But they in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about how you must have the desperation of a drowning man. And uh, there's a, a speaker, I think, named Eric, Eric Thomas, Thomas, right? Yeah, he he's like, uh, he's, he's talking about you got to want to succeed as much as you want to breathe. But I, I think it does go down to desperation because I think most people, when it, and this is an extreme, right? But but people dealing with addiction, they never go to treatment on a winning streak. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's loss after loss after loss that got you into that place normally. I mean, there might be some people that are proactive and and decide to go, but... 
whenever you're really desperate, that's whenever you're willing to make the biggest life changes mm-hmm. um, to discipline and, and to make the right decisions. And because you're in that desperate place to, I've got to change my life or it's not going to be what I want. So I, I think it's awesome that you are able to use it from maybe at a higher bottom than maybe like an, an addict and things, but mm-hmm. you saw this stuff going on around your life. And we wanted to provide a different life for yourself and for your daughter and everyone else that you love. And um, it's really, really good. Amy, did you have a question? Uh, He answered it, really. I was going to ask him maybe a little bit more about the discipline part of it, because I know I had... I had listened to you speak about the 3D and uh, and I just wondered what the discipline really has looked like for you. Well, for me, you know, again, discipline equates to consistency. So, you know, I feel like when you want something bad enough, like what you're just saying, you know, you're you're going to start to understand like, OK, well, in order to get it, this is what I have to do. And, you know, whether it be improving our health, improving our financial situation, uh, there's, you know, you have to be disciplined. You know, you have to do the right things consistently. So Mm. for me, you know, as a as somebody that was looking to get into speaking, you know, yeah, I have to reach out to people consistently, you know, and follow up with them and. Uh, you know, yeah, I have to do things the right way, make the right choices, you know, and, and, and bottom line, just being desperate, like, hey, I want it bad. You know, I really want it bad. I want to do this. And so that drives the discipline and the, the decisions, the choices. Do you think that includes cutting out other options, like not holding on to your day job, basically? Well, yeah, you know, it's a calculated risk. And so, yeah, cutting out options because, again, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I, I saw where being a teacher, being an educator, there's a, a cap to it. And to know that my ceiling is much higher, you know, as a speaker, pretty much unlimited because, you know, I'm the CEO of myself. Mm. And so, yeah, you know, that yeah. that that definitely is how I feel about it. There's that's a lot of encouragement, man, for people to to, to bet on themselves. And yeah, to, and I heard a lot of people tell me that, like, man, you you're betting on yourself, mm. and it's yeah because I feel confident that I, I know, you know, I, I I feel like I have enough discipline, you know, to do what I need to do. Yeah, it yeah. sounds sounds like. Uh, w- if you you've been in Austin since what February, mm-hmm. um, uh, you might have heard this terminology. Uh, the the lingo was or the slang. Of, I, I just realized it's kind of Austin talk or Aust- Austinese, but breaking out of the matrix. You know, talking about breaking out of the matrix and and getting out of that. Um, just programming that you kind of have from growing up. You you grow up, you get a job, you <laughs> you know you get the retirement and the four hundred one k and all that stuff. Um, but it does sound like at first maybe. Um, if I got it right, you, you kind of had it as a side hustle. You tested the waters mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And then once you got it, you're like, oh, I can do this. So you got some experience with it. You got a taste of it. And you got the knowing that I can do this. Yeah. And I mean, it was a lot of trial and error also. That's why I say you learn a lot by action because, you know, I see so many people like they're, they're even scared to dip their toe in the water. Mm because they're afraid they're going to do the wrong thing. And I'm like, you know, I, I've actually uh, done classes on, 
maybe start, not maybe, but starting a speaking business and mm. that sort of thing. And I'm like, look, there, there's hardly anything that's fatal. You know, you could even have a bad speaking engagement. Mm. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you're just going it, to, it's just like being an athlete. You're not going to win every game. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a bad game. You're going to have a bad match. Winners win consistently, mm. but they don't win every game. It's true. They don't win every game. You know, we look at the Super Bowl winners. Yeah. They don't, I mean, I, there's only been one team that won the Super Bowl that was undefeated. Wow. And that was, what, 40 years ago, the Miami Dolphins? Mm. Besides that, you know, every team that wins the Super Bowl, they've lost games in that season. Every team that wins the World Series, they've yeah. lost games. Yeah, and the NBA, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're not winning every game. They, yeah. they, they're winning 60%, 70% of them to get to the finals. Exactly. And so, like yeah, that. that's, that's how it is in life. You know, if you do the right things consistently, you should be successful. Right. I really like that because in, in wrestling, there's something called mat time. But jujitsu is a very similar sport. I mean, it's, it's takedowns to a submission. But it, I, I, you're just bringing something up in, in, from my perspective where wrestling is all about mat time, mat time, mat time. Get as much experience as you can. Go to as many tournaments as you can. Get as many matches because that is, that's like the laboratory. That's where you're experimenting and that's where you learn and that's where you grow and you learn what works and what doesn't. And in jujitsu, it's there, but for some reason, because it's not a sport that that's maybe like a high school sport or a school sport. And then like you go to the NCAA or go to professional athlete for it's, it's different where people won't test themselves. They'll do it in the gym a lot, but there's people that are so fearful to ever get in a tournament and ever get in com to compete. So it's more just theory more than like they've actually developed it. So I've tried to encourage people from jujitsu, get into as many competitions as you can. And yes, there's a lot of gyms that are like that. But from my own story, I lost every match um, except one by one point in my first year of wrestling. And, but because I had two Olympic gold medalists that were my coaches, they were saying, Matt time, Matt time, get out there. By the time you're a senior, we'll make you a state champion. But I went out there and tested it, and there's three styles of wrestling. So a lot of kids that I was competing against, I started wrestling at 15. But other kids started wrestling at four, five, six years old. I had to catch up to where they were. But I would do three seasons every year. I would go from folk-style wrestling to freestyle wrestling to Greco-Roman wrestling. So I was doing three in one year, and they were only doing one. And so by the t I was able to win the state championship and become an All-American and national champion because I was testing myself. I was seeing what, taking action. When they had 30 matches in a year, I was having 120 matches in a year because I, wasn't, I was going out of state. I was doing everything I could. And so I had hundreds of wrestling matches in high school whenever maybe other guys had, you know, in four years, maybe 100 matches. And um, so I think, anyways, you're just bringing that to my attention of like, wow, yeah, you learn by doing you learn by action. Be consistent. Show up. Yeah, and when show you sh up. when you show up, like good things happen. Wow. Thank you for all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got me fired up there. Um, well, what do you what's one of the the life lessons that if you could what's been one of the most important things you've learned in life that that maybe maybe you could share with someone listening now? Um that's just really important. That that's really heartfelt. Of like, you know, this is something I'm really, I'm really grateful I learned because uh, I, I would love to learn that from you. 
Wow. You know, I mean, it's almost everything that I'm sharing yeah. with you, you know, just the fact that, you know, man, you have to believe in yourself. And I know that's so cliche. Hmm. And people may be like, well, what if I don't have that confidence? <laughs> you know, you know, I, I don't believe in myself because I've had this happen or I failed in this area. And so how do you build confidence? Well, you know, you have to build confidence through small victories. You know, mm. the, the more you um, the more you can accomplish, the more success you can experience, the more. Yeah. Then you'll, you'll start to feel more confident. Mm. And, you know, one of the things I, I always suggest to people is, you know, change. Try to change yourself physically, mm. because why? That's the you have total control over that. Yeah. You know, um, even if you can't afford a gym membership, chances are you can afford to go take a walk for 30 minutes a day or something yeah. like that. And you're going to eventually start to see changes in yourself. And that does more for your mind than anything. And it, and I, I say that because when I first started getting when my life started to really change, you know, I started to look at other things. And like I said, I was desperate. You know, I was just desperate. You know, I wanted to live a good life. And, you know, I saw a lot of people I loved that were near and dear to me, you know, struggle with with health and, you know, just unexpected things coming up that they just weren't there anymore. And so it, it was more, so it, you know, my change, my evolution was more than just like my career or whatever. So, yeah, I was looking at like, man, my mom, you know, my parents have experienced health issues and. So I, I started saying, you know what, I'm going to walk, you know, this beginning of 2017 New Year's resolution. And I wasn't overweight or anything, but I was just like, you know, I just want to get in, you know, better shape. Uh, yeah, I started, you know, I'd been going to the gym, lifting and whatever, doing a little exercise. Started walking and then I was like, OK, I'm going to start running. And uh, then I was like, you know what, I'm going to continue to challenge myself. I'm going to sign up for a 5K there you go. And uh, ended up signing up for a 5K and uh, did my first one and I came out And at third. this time you're in your mid-40s? About, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And so, you know, came out third in my age group. Third? Yeah. Wow, look at you. First one. <laughs> yeah, first mid -40s one. Mid-40s is awesome. So it's like that kind of got me hooked. There you go. You know, during that season and uh, started doing a lot of them after that and- uh, you know, the confidence that I got from saying, you know what, man, I, I I couldn't run more than a mile at first to being able to run, do a 10K and run six miles. It, you know, it, and of course, that's a process. I didn't do that sure. right away. But those little victories mm -hmm. did wonders for my confidence and my ability to be resilient in building my business as a speaker, yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, I understood certain things like, hey, you know, you're going to feel this, uh, you know, certain kind of way one day, or it might be a little disappointing, or you might have something that's, you know, kind of nagging you a little bit, you know, in the, as far as being a runner. Yeah. And of course, that always transfers over into life. But it also, again, it just did wonders for my, my confidence, you know, and, and that's what really, if you're going to achieve things in life, it really all boils down to confidence. Mm. That's really good. I think 
I think what I'm picking up from from that right there is just like you were developing those muscles or the conditioning mm-hmm. um, by all the road work, um, you're you're literally at the same time developing the muscle of confidence or mm-hmm. or the muscle of the conditioning for courage, you know, betting on yourself mm-hmm. because of those small victories and those add up to where you're able to take the bigger leaps of mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, that's great. Well, how can how can people support you and find you? And if let's say there's a administrator at a school that's listening and they want to book you as a speaker, uh, what's the website where they can, where can they follow you on social media? And, um, yeah, I'd love for people to know how to, how to get one of your books. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my website is success is a process.net and, uh, you'll see yours truly on the, on the, header. (laughs) Um, And it has access to my books and everything. They're posted on my website. Uh, Links to my social media are posted on my website. My email is posted on my website. So yeah, if you go to my website, that's an easy way to get in contact or follow me or whatever else. Uh, My book books are on Amazon. You can win being you. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. You can you find pull su- up here now. Yeah, you can find uh, success is a process, inspiring a mindset to flourish as an educator. Uh, that's on Amazon. Um, as far as social media, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, under Rogers Speaks, R O D G E R S. Then the word speaks. All right. And so, yeah, you can pr- find me. And the only thing I'm not on is Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you YouTube. so much for being here. I did want to ask in closing, what's been one of your most special moments or just like a, a interaction you've had after, say, a speaking engagement that you were like, ah, see, I'm doing the right thing or I'm following my my calling or, or this purpose? Do you have an interaction with someone that, that booked you to speak or someone in the audience that you were just like, man, like if, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have heard this feedback or known that, you know, that, that what I said resonated. Um, do you have any of those moments in Seattle or, uh, New York or anything where you're like, man, I'm really glad that I, that I started to pursue this because, um, this happened. Yeah, um, actually, a couple of months ago, I got an email from uh, an audience member for a virtual engagement, wow. you know, that I did. You didn't even get to shake their hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were like, yeah, you know, me, us, and uh, well, I, that person and the director that had booked me, she's like, you know, we do different activities, and, you know, we were going hiking, and this was, yeah, in the Seattle area. And uh, there's like, we were talking about some of the things you said, you know, some of the acronyms you were throwing out there and, and everything. And so I was like, wow, that's super, super cool. (laughs) Two years after, and this was a virtual engagement, which, you know, as a speaker, you sometimes like, especially initially, you're like, man, you know, I would love to be doing this in person. So for them to have those, those takeaways was like, you know, just really, really powerful. And then, you know, the other day I did a speaking engagement in San Antonio, not really a speaking engagement, but uh, training professional development for uh, a nonprofit. And one of the uh, one of the attendees, you know, her her husband is a, a coach 
of a you know really prominent team in <laughs> in San Antonio football coach. And uh, she was like, I'm a, she's like, during your presentation, I was sharing all the things you were saying. She's like, this would just be so good for his team, you know. And I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty cool. I said, I'd love to come out and speak to him because, I mean, they've won state championships and everything. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's things, you know, those are some of the instances right there. Yeah. And just the fact, you know, I also had somebody come up like, yeah, you know, what you're saying about, you know, having a – you know, your daughter's autism and how, you know, your youngest daughter helps out with her a lot. She's like, I've experienced the same thing. It's the mm -hmm. same scenario. Like, you know, her younger sister is very protective of her and just loves on her and everything. And so, yeah, you know, I've definitely had those those conversations. Yeah, I think people. it's really important because someone listening, maybe they don't know how much their personal story uh, or the things they've been through or the wisdom and insight and knowledge that they have, how it could really impact somebody else. And so I hope that um, any of the listeners hearing this will, will be encouraged by your story to like open up, to, to be vulnerable, to, to share your experience and your, your knowledge and your strength with somebody else because people need that. We need each other. Yeah, and that's where I came up with turn your trial into your treasure because, mm. you know, we've all experienced challenges along the way. But a lot of times we can use that as a gift to somebody else, and it's a gift to us, too. Yeah. So Wow, that's really good. Okay, maybe lastly, uh, <laughs> I, I said that a minute ago, but uh, take care. Um, I saw that on the website, and C-A-R-E, what does that stand for? C-A-R, oh boy, you put me on uh -oh, the spot. Put me on the spot, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's something I recently... Uh, created it so is. I've got it here. Let's see, but I don't know what it's what it is. It's like it says leadership is about serving others. Maybe mm -hmm. that'll prompt you. An approach to servant leadership titled "Take mm -hmm. Care." Well, what how do, how how would you describe servant leadership? Well, Let's servant leadership is you know understanding that you know a leader is just not a boss of somebody. Mm. Like you're there to serve the people that are there to to work and make sure that their needs are taken care of, that they enjoy what they're doing and putting them, like I said earlier, putting them in a position to succeed. Yeah. And so that to me is, is what servant leadership really, really, really boils down to. Great leaders, great coaches, hmm. again, put people in positions to succeed. And so I love yeah. a I love a John Maxwell quote that says a good leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Um, and just thinking of that kind of being servant leadership, like shows the way, and he's actually going the way, and so he's inviting people along. Actually, Amy, could you look this up? Pull this sure. up, please. It's um, a, a leader, a boss versus leader, mm -hmm. and there's a great picture of it. I'm wondering if you've seen it. I want you to see it, but it's a. Uh, Boss versus leader and then image search because I bet it will come up. Oh, it's not John Maxwell? Or no, no, no. It's not John Maxwell. Just boss versus leader um, images. And it's that second one, that yellow one. Okay. Um, and if we could pull that up, Grant, I think it's a pretty cool imagery because it shows a boss behind him kind of on top, almost uh, almost like, you know, snapping a whip out there. Mm -hmm. And the leader's out in front, you know, that's basically like 
pulling a lot of the weight and inviting people along with them to like to follow. I think that's the servant leader, right? Is the one that's like in the trenches with the people he's leading instead of uh, he or she are leading instead of like up on a podium, like just like yeah, telling exactly. them what to do. Yeah, getting your hands so, dirty along yeah. with them because you're leading by example mm-hmm. and that tends to inspire. And so I'm trying to think of the acronym, right? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so, you know, T is like being tactful, mm-hmm. you know, with your people. Uh, A is definitely taking accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, servant leaders do that. Uh, K is being knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, e is having a certain amount of enthusiasm, yeah. energy about what you're doing, right. you know, because again, you lead from the front. Right. Uh, C is, of course, communication. A is good leaders take action. Yeah. You know, they're not just about talking. Uh, R is being resourceful, you know, being able to use what you have, putting people again in the right positions. And then E is being empathetic. Yeah. So. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Those are a lot to remember. Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. And, and people can hear it and see it come to life, whether you book uh, Mills online virtually or in person yes. now. So mm-hmm. check out the website. And Mills, thank you so much for being here. I'm really grateful for you. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, yeah. thanks so mm-hmm. much. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.